and welcome to another episode of the DNS Podcast. I'm Sean. I'm Dan. And today our guest is Beth. Welcome, welcome. Beth. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be Good here. Beth. So, those that don't know Beth, a two-time IPF World Champion, currently a very good strength coach in her own right. Give, give the guys a little bit about uh, your history, what started you in powerlifting initially, and uh, uh, you started quite young, didn't you? Yeah, I think I, well, I joined a powerlifting gym when I was 15, uh, but I started at a gym when I was 12. Initially, I was a javelin thrower, and I had to even out my right side because throwing four times a week with one arm does cause some imbalances, as yep. standard. Um, and then I joined a gym, just kind of followed what everyone else did, chest on Mondays, legs Tuesdays, stuff like that. Uh, I got to the point, I think it would have been 2014, I was benching 60 kilos for just like five by five. That's all I knew at that point. And someone's like, you gotta, you gotta go do something about this. You gotta go find somewhere to do this. And then I just looked up powerlifting and then one of the closest gyms to me was Adonis at the time. Um, and within a, like the day of joining, I went in, I, I went in with my dad. My dad didn't want me to go in by myself and told Will and Carlos what I could do. And they're like, no way. And they, they made me like test on the day. They're like, you, you've got to like show us. I think I did like a 115 squat, a 60, um, I think it was actually a 72 bench and then a 145 or 150 deadlift or something like that. And I, th- I think in that week I dropped maybe one grand on comp rego, a belt, shoes, knee sleeves. And I was already entered into a comp within like that week. <laughs> um, Straight at it. Yeah, that was pretty much it. And then from there, I competed from 2015 to 2017 nonstop, um, probably two or three comps a year, which would, I would say was a bit too much at the time. But two comps a year was a good balance, but three is pushing it. Um, and then, yeah, eventually I got too injured uh, and a bit of loss of interest at the point where I'd turned 18, wanted to explore other things socially, um, and also didn't really know what I was doing in my life. When I got injured, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I'm doing. So eventually found coaching, and now I just prioritize uh, the longevity and the enjoyment of compound-based performance. Nice. Yeah. Great little wrap-up. Mm. So what was your three comps a year for that first few years? Yeah. What was your first comp? comp? First comp was like top lifter three at Redfern. Good old top lifter. Yeah, good old top lifter. I mean, I don't know what's happened to that. That gym's gone, hey. Lift yeah, lift's, lift's not there anymore. <coughs> yeah. Oh, lift performance. Yeah, we'd love yeah, to know where on. those combos went, to be honest. Yeah, let me know. Just kind of, yeah, close and yeah. have heard nothing since. Thanks, got them. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that comp there. And I remember I was so nervous. And I was... Uh, also, at that point, I didn't really know I had to cut weight. Because within my first three months of training, I just put on, like, 10 kilos. I was just so hungry. I just kept eating. And I was like, fuck, wait, I have a weight class doing. So, nervous about making weight. Uh, cut too much weight, as you normally do when you're nervous about it and stress. Um, but that How old were you when this was your first comp? Would have been 16. Yeah, 16. 2000, uh, 2015. So that's 16. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then um, that was always hard because it was like school, you want to eat at recess and lunch. But I didn't really have that great of nutrition uh, guidance or knowledge myself at that time. And I was just kind of like eat less, keep training, a bit of cardio. Um, but I got there. I mean, it wasn't the best, but I think I did eight for nine that day. Pretty good. Pretty good day. And what was your first total? Do you remember? Uh, four twenty, on the dot. Nice. Yeah, I was like, what a great first number to hit. Yeah. Good old four twenty. Good old four twenty. Yeah, it was like a one forty five squat. I did 
I think I missed 92 that day. I got 87.5 bench, and then I got a 172.5 deadlift, something like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, and that was all, like, high bar, like, really shocking high bar, too. <laughs> Pretty bad. Um, I think at that point, I was still kind of, like, a mid-grip bench. I had no idea about, like, the grips and shit. One thing at a time at that point with yeah. Carlos, they were very much, like... Simple things. I used to get overwhelmed by it a lot, but you know they nurtured me pretty well. Yeah. Mm. Carlos was your main coach at the time, wasn't he? Yeah, Carlos was my main coach at the time. Um, I think it was a overwhelming experience for him too to have someone that not only that young but also was very Whoa. determined to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was willing to at the time I had to sacrifice a lot of school time and everything to go and do it. So it was a good learning experience for both of us, to be honest. Well, yeah, I remember you because I'd be I was I'd sit in that tire. If I got an afternoon off of vision, oh, yeah. I'd sit in that tire at the end of my session, waiting to be picked up. Just laying back in it on the top corner. Oh, that's right, you weren't <laughs> driving. <laughs> no, I remember. Still don't drive. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Sean. Come on, Sean. <laughs> no, my mother-in-law is here, so one at the end of it. Come on. I've learned. I've learned, Marin. I've learned. I'll take you for the hours, bro. <laughs> I don't have to do that. I'm old enough to take you for I'm hours. Mature age. <laughs> All I have to do with my test. <laughs> Stick him in there. Oh, but I sat in that tire. Because um, I remember your your dad used to... Your dad does karate? Yeah. He used to teach one of my PT members. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So Tony, who your dad used to coach, I don't yeah. know. They still do it. Tony still does it. I know I've my dad still years. does. Dad's out there four times a week training karate at the moment. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Tony used to... He used to teach Tony so yeah I knew of your dad and before and then I realized who you were in relation to him once yeah. Tony told me but so what kept you going like um I was I just loved winning yeah I, I really loved being the best at something you're a competitor we see that when you train yeah like I initially with athletics like it was always about winning mm -hmm. and I used to have a lot of pressure on myself in athletics I went and saw like a sports psychologist really young um, not that I knew what I was doing when I was 10 but I used to like not eat or you know get really mad at myself and like take it out of my family when I wouldn't win something and luckily my mum like helped me with that when I was a bit younger mm. um, but by the time I got to powerlifting it was like I knew that if I applied myself I could make the most of it and still be super competitive and still enjoy it um and i always enjoyed uh i, I don't want to say i'm a show off but i definitely enjoyed the uh the, the show off side of it like i liked being that like that youngest girl in australia bench 100 you know yeah. i like yeah. that like unofficials uh superficial titles um yeah. but i think the fact that i was in school and i had the luxury of being super selfish yeah. like when you're in school you don't have to worry about work job I was working at the time, I was working eight hours a week at a gym. It was very easy work. Um, but I think I ended up leaving that by 2017 anyway. Um, but you can just be extremely selfish. I was, at the time, it's just like, all right, what time am I eating? What time am I training? Mum and dad dropped me here. I don't care what you're doing that afternoon. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty bad. I looked back at it and I was like, but that's probably the reason I got so far was because I didn't have to worry about any external factors. It was just be selfish, look after myself, push myself even further. And the enjoyment I got was out of the, the actual achievements. So it was always just that competitive side. And I I think that's one of the hardest things about transitioning to coaching. I don't know if you want to dive into this now, but I had to go from being selfish to selfless. And that was a very rough transition. <laughs> very rough. How did you find it? 
Well, there's um, some we, you know, everyone that has a competitive background that moves into coaching has to go through. Yeah, I mean, I think I had a, a few external factors uh, in my life outside work and training, and it changed my personality, and I matured a fair bit, um, and that really helped with the transition on focusing on a bigger goal for other people. Um, but I've had a few people tell me and guide me, and I think like a lot of the older Adonis boys, like Will and Carlos and stuff like that, always told me, you know, like think of the bigger picture. Um, and like a few mentors and especially the people I have in my life now, like my, my boss George and my boss Chris, um, they keep me really grounded in showing that um, the bigger picture for other people isn't always clear to them. So you have to help enable that picture for them. Mm-hmm. So that becomes the role of a coach to help uh, find people, like get their journey, get their end goal. And that's Absolutely. that first question initially is just what's your goal in this? So why are you doing this? Just why are you doing this in, in, itself, in itself is a big question. Um, and if you can help people get that, that helps with my job, especially. That helps with the transition, just knowing why people are here, why they're training, and then I capitalize on that. How do you handle it when someone comes in, you know, goal is X, and along the way, they find Y. Mm. Um, but you know, like, X is what they still want to do. They're just distracted by Y. Yeah, I mean... I've probably had more experience with this recently because the the gym that I coach in in the morning, uh, it's not strictly powerlifters. I teach them powerlifting and strength, Mm -hmm. but um, it's a bunch of mums doing a technically a group fitness class, and I fucking love it. They go hard, but they get very caught up in like, oh, I want to lose 10 kilos or like, you know, I want to look better, blah, blah, blah. And some of them at that point were willing to stop their strength training. Stop their (laughs) arm. Somebody's trapped underneath a <laughs> under a bench or something. It sounded like a cat. I think the uh, next door neighbor's kids in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh God, love God help us. Yeah, they <laughs> the the conversations they have, they want to get stronger and they want to build their one arms and everything, but they'll have like an off day and they're like, oh, I don't like the way I look, blah blah. blah. And I just remind them uh, at the end of the day, it's what you enjoy and what you're going to enjoy the most because adherence. I think that's Eric Helms' first principle of training. Um, is adherence and making sure that they're showing up, they enjoy what they do, and that's going to get more results than anything. So if they do find a, another goal or a why goal, um, I just ask them the question, you know, is it really what you want to do? Find, like, why they're doing it. If it's a superficial reason that I can talk them out of, yeah. I probably will. Um, but if they really want to pursue that, then that becomes my job to either steer them in that direction or if I can help them or refer on if I can't, um, nice. anything like that. Yeah. Don't be afraid to refer on. You mentioned Eric. Who are some of your your mentors? So you had obviously Will, Will and Carlos in your early days yeah. who were coaching for you. Who have you picked up your coaching style from along the way? Uh, if I threw it back all the way to athletics, yeah. my um my first coach Wayne Clark, uh, he was a massive inspiration to me. Um, he trained us all for free out of his free time. He's an older guy. Uh, unfortunately, he passed last year. Um, but older guy in his free time just taught us kids how to throw four times a week and. Uh, didn't expect a thing back from us. He just enjoyed the the gratitude of helping young people train and on the field because it's all public fields where you throw um, There was other coaches that were just like You know bitchy and mean and oh you can't use these cages or like you don't have a business You can't be here um, and he always taught like the the nicer side of coaching and just the Enjoyment side and being able to see people grow. That's something that I've taken from him um, but more recently, uh, people like Will Crozier, um, I did a mentorship with him over 12 weeks. 
um, and just completely blew my mind about how much he cares about the science of the body, not even the science of lifting. Mm-hmm. Just the anatomy focus that that man has, it really reevaluated why I'm a coach and what I should be looking at. Because um, for me, the coaching used to be just principles, like programming, you know, a bit of technique analysis. It was never like, you know, learn to stack your ribcage so you can mobilize the uh, joint action or anything like that. Like I've never looked at that sort of stuff. Um, so Will really helped me, um, and I, I've, I'm still in close contact with him. Um, he still reaches out a bit, sees how I'm going, stuff like that. Um, and then there's a few like guys on Instagram, uh, like uh, Compound Performance Boys, Kyle and Matt. They're incredible. Um, I'm doing their mentorship at the moment, um, and everything they put out is just like gold. It's just one of those things I just read, and I'm like, fuck, this is... <coughs> everyone life. should know this. Who are these guys? This is... Uh, they run a company called Compound Performance. They're based? Uh, based in America. Okay. So the, the mentorship I'm doing is a bit tough because the call times are in American times, but, you know, they, they've made it so it's a platform where you can ask questions at any point of the day. They reply. Um, they use Slack, something like that. It's like a business uh, web page thing. I don't know. It's like a live chat. It looks like MSN almost. <laughs> it really does. Like, it looks like MSN. Back to the good yeah. old days. It really does look like MSN. And I was like... Um, you can just ask questions, I'll reply straight away, and they're, they're just a really good bunch of boys that I look up to. Um, and even things like, I've Pat Davidson over the past year has been uh, a bit more of an influence, but I think he's almost looking to be a little bit too different. He's going nuts at the minute on Instagram. He's yeah. ranting but I, I was, constantly. Well, luckily, the, the girl that did the Compound Performance Social Media Week, she was explaining how Pat is so controversial because it is for the, the exposure. If you say yeah. something and you believe it and you make a firm point against something, you'll probably get more comments, more arguments, and that's exposure at the end Being of the day. Being authentic as well, saying yeah. what you believe. And I like I, I, I did a like a web seminar weekend thing, and Pat was going off at people. Uh, it's probably when I was watching, when someone was asked for the, yeah, the, the, the slides, he was like, like, there's no free yeah. slides. <laughs> Watch the damn lecture. He's yeah, <laughs> like, use your brain for once. And I'm like, look, he's not wrong. I just... The way he went about it was a bit like him. Yeah, he's but a real smart guy. He is. He's um, so smart. I just think, like, I look at his stuff as well, and I I almost have to, like, read it twice and make sure that I know what he's saying. Yeah. Same with Bill Hardman. I, I watch one of his videos, and I feel like such an idiot because I have to rewatch it, like, seven times to understand at least one thing. It's just the principles that are so advanced, made so basic, and they just kind of go through my head like that. Um, but any sort of, like, the PRI guys at the moment as well, like, um, like Bill Hardman, um, Zach Couples... Um, they're more anatomy sense as well. They're just they're more the influence I have now. Um, but yeah, the personality one was always like my first few coaches, Will Carlos and Wayne, stuff like that. Nice, awesome. Yeah. How do you find it being one young and two a female in what is a very male dominated industry of, of strength coaching and sports coaching? Yeah, the the young question's easy because I think a lot of people overlook my age from my experience. Yeah. I've been lifting longer than most people I coach mm. and they're, you know, in their 30s or 40s. So, I've, like, I think at this point I've got, uh, like, eight years lifting experience um, and then five years of, like, proper coaching uh, in-depth experience as well. Um, but the, the female one, I've never really had... A massive issue with I always ask uh, my clients what their opinions were of like me being a coach for them and why they were drawn to a female coach over any other because I have a lot of male clients yeah. I think I have only three or four female online clients out of 16 um, and I was always like curious as to why they were drawn to me and they're like we didn't really care about the you know gender side of it it was more or less like we could see that you're experienced down to earth and like 
I think with online coaching, there's a certain personality, common ground that people are drawn to, and that's why you build your team that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I wouldn't approach someone who I don't think I get along with. Yeah. Um, and that's where at the end of the day, I present myself in a in a way where people feel like they can get along, and that's probably the best feedback I can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know other other coaches have found it quite hard, like female coaches. I think it's how you present yourself. Like if you were going to be a female coach and just post like how to build your glutes every day or like whatever it may be, you're making it too easy for yourself at that point or too hard for yourself at that point because you're never going to get taken that seriously. Whereas like you, well, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But if you want to, you know, make a statement and be like at the same level as most people in the industry, you've really got to buckle down and learn about a variety of things. And I feel like diversifying your, uh, it, diversifying your environment and diversifying who you are as a person is going to come out in your coaching yeah absolutely nice has it been a roadblock at any point for you um age or, or gender I'd say that age is only a roadblock for online yep um and that also ties down to like experience just because if like, I'm talking from a money point of view I'd love yep. to charge more online but I've got to earn my way up and I'm aware of that uh, earning the way with time and also resources that I'm applying myself into like mentorships and stuff like that um, so I'm in no rush to build that up and that's why I work hard at my two other jobs um, but now the the being a female hasn't really had a roadblock as of yet um, the the job that I have in the morning is actually female only so nice. you know it's kind of a blessing that I was a female yeah. coach because I get to train these ladies who train really hard and I love that job yeah yeah awesome so, yeah what does uh, and training today? What's it looking like present for you? Because um, you're not competing right now. Yeah, haven't. Well, I did like a novice comp last year, like a push pull comp. Oh yeah, a bit yeah. hikes. We were up there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was a good afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fun little day. Fun. That was just something. I I remember I was getting tattooed the next day, and I was like, I need to just work to something in training before I get tattooed and have six months off consistent training. Um, <laughs> and I was just working towards that, but I haven't I haven't competed in a sanctioned comp in three years. I've been working with Jack Simmons at Balance Performance, rehabbing, hip impingement, capsulitis, uh, lateralized patella and fat pad impingements, and also uh, my bone spurs on my ankle. So I've had like a lot of issues with um, all those three, the big three that have been really road blocking. And the knee one is just constant, because my knee's hyperextended, so it's just constant. You know, the patella's always gonna shift over on those. Um, at the moment, just working with him, uh, I prioritize my rehab, um, but a bit more full range of motion focused, uh, diversified a lot away from the barbell, um, really worked on unilateral work because that's where a lot of the imbalances were coming from. Um, cause just at the time, just competitive, like this is why competing three times a year was a mission because I never got an off season. It was just on, 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 um, yeah, like at most maybe one off season, like one 12 week block off. But you know, at that point I was probably HSC or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's just like, I'm taking the off season that I should have had <laughs> when I was competing. Yeah, it's catching up for a lot yeah. of missed off seasons. Yeah, and things like, my goals at the moment, like I got to a flat-footed front squat, well, like not in heels, front squat, that was a massive goal of mine, because um, I used to not be able to even low bar in flats. Um, and like all these uh, new goals that I've reached that they never really seemed important initially, but now I can appreciate the process towards them having some fun with some variety not just the bar yeah one. like love my zochi good morning zochi deficits um love my front squats now um front squats have uh, been my new favorite i think um and front just rack or you? no 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 front rack i got short humeruses bro that's why i bench so much <laughs> uh, and then you know like uh, now that i got tatted i couldn't really 
couldn't even train properly anyway. This is the back tap? Yeah, the $6,000 back tap. $6,000? Yeah. <laughs> it covers the whole back, yeah? Yeah, I mean, top to bottom, it's got its good surface value. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but just because that six months was off, I was just focusing on other things like my front squats and, you know, yeah, nice. and Corona as well. That helped with time off. Um, corona. But yeah, looking to build up the compounds a little bit more. I'd like to get back into, I would say, compound lifting, but not competitive powerlifting. So you haven't got any desire to step back on the platform again in the near future? Not in the near future. I would never say never, mm-hmm. but... I think and you guys might know this too when you start coaching your own goals kind of get shot out the window mm-hmm. yeah and you really gotta like you give yourself a life schedule that like give yourself time it goes from one day where it's all about you and then another day it's not and I found it really hard to balance training at the moment I'm training less because of my workload um, and I'm doing things to manipulate around it but when you've got like a bunch of people in comp prep you gotta be there for them reply to their messages all the time and I just found it really hard to find that uh, fire to motivate myself. Yeah. So I've just been, you know, cruising for a bit, happy to be lifting, happy to be training. Feels good to be about 80% not injured. Yeah. Yeah. I think 80% is a good level. You'd never be Very 100. Good. No. Not at this point. No. no once you're out, once you're, you're born, that's yeah. it. <laughs> it's a downhill scale from that's there. That's the last time I felt good. Yeah. So, if you know, no desire to compete anytime soon. So what's a... What's some of some of your fondest memories of competing? You hit some pretty big numbers, some good records. You went to worlds, yeah. won worlds twice. What yeah. are some of the highlights? Um, well, outside competing, I think just hitting a hundred for the first time was probably the best day of my life. <laughs> like, arguably, like that day, I remember I attempted it twice before I got it. I failed it twice. I think I was, was that a No, no, no. I was with um, JP Five Tron. Oh, yeah, I remember the video down in. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I was, with, I was good friends with Carrie Ann at the time. I was spending New Year's with them. And um, I was with them at Obsidian Strength, and it was the 31st of December, 2015. And then JP's like, just try it, just try it. And I failed it twice. And the second time I failed it, something something happened, and I was like, no, I, like, I know I can do this. Like, I, I felt what I did wrong. And then I the third time I attempted, I, like, chucked some loud music on and, like, smashed a heap of energy drinks, and I was ready to go. And then I, I, get, I got past this, like, sticking point, and then all of a sudden, everyone was just screaming. I have no idea what happened. I just remember everyone was just screaming. And then I, I stood up and I was like, fuck. Like, I actually got it. And then, like, people had, like, come over and, like, lifted me up. And, like, that that in itself was something that was, like, such a big milestone. Nice. And I thought about that number for so long. Like, even though it was within a year of uh, coaching that I got 100. But I went from, like, 72 to 100 in that year. But that was a lot of technique, noob gains, stuff like that. That was just unleashed uh, potential. That's when I went, like, wider grip and stuff like that as well. Um, but yeah, I remember that, that was probably the biggest highlight for me. And to my understanding, it was the youngest, uh, female in Australia to bench that. My understanding of that. And could be some like logo, like fitness first girl out there smashing it, but you know, probably <laughs> one of the There's always seven. someone out there. Yeah. Probably one of the rugby seven girls. They're fucking crazy. Those girls. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just being able to travel everywhere so young, like, I went to Uzbekistan, which I don't know anyone who's gone there. Uzbek, Eastern yeah. Europe, yeah. the depths of Eastern Europe. It's crazy. Got to go get ice cream with Ray Williams at midnight in it's Uzbek. Ray. Yeah, because you need like you, you're not meant to leave the hotel after nine in that city. Wasn't he? Um, wasn't he in? What you saying? KFC in the warm area? Who's warm? Oh, that was Jezza with the KFC. Jezza yeah, <laughs> Dunkin' like Jezza was eating a bucket of KFC, of KFC in, in um, Belarus. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, no, that was a good one. Um, but yeah, just even just, I would say the people that I've met in those international comps, like 
I like my dad is good friends with Brett Williams. Like they they keep in contact. Nice. <laughs> yeah, like on Instagram, they just connect because my dad was like eating breakfast with him every day in Uzbek because I had to have like an adult with me at the time. Yeah. Um, and what just was, just what was he eating for breakfast? Oh, he was so upset with the breakfast choice there. It was they ended up just serving him rice. Um, oh, really? And they had like these turkeys. Oh, the the breakfast selection in Uzbek was not that good. Like it was just all bread. Like, all of it. And they had, like, you know, like, deli meats and stuff like that. Nothing. Yeah, cold meats in it. Wrapped no, no, cold eggs meat. even. Like, yeah. yeah, and I was like, what the fuck? I remember I ate horse there because I was at the markets and they didn't have any anything outside of bread except for these weird skewers. And I was like, fuck it, I'll just, I'll do it, whatever it is. And I got told after it was horse. I was like, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Worst things have happened. <laughs> if you shopped in Lidl in the UK for about... Yeah. 12 months between 2017 and 18 you, you ate horse yeah yeah <laughs> it's I mean, lasagna it's not getting uncommon these days I've, there's worse things to eat but they, yeah I think there's the people and the experiences um, the comps internationally they never went to plan for me um, whether that was experience side of things but most of my most of my best comps were in Australia so all those big comps were just the people I've met and the places that I've been that's awesome mm. but yeah the comps in Australia I think the last one I did uh, open nationals that was my best comp I got the 200 deadlifting comp that was a big one that in Sydney? no I was in Melbourne yeah I missed the 500 total by 2.5 kilos though Oof. still burns me my best total is 497.5 <sighs> so close I would have retired I would have retired on 500 I reckon just I would be happy now I've got to come back for that come back just for 500 I will come back just for 500 I'm done <laughs> that's it I'll never do that again but yeah, I think the the comps in Australia were always better, whether it was a travel or I was too preoccupied with the experience side of things. Um, for some reason, the Aussie comps were better. Would knee wraps in the deadlift bar interest nah. you? No, no, no. Just keep it. I think, there's, well, obviously, like I coach GPC people at the moment, um, and I've been to a few comps and I've wrapped knees recently, and like, I don't know about you guys, the pressure of wrapping knees is quite big on me. Like, I feel like if I fuck you it up... You wrap your knees this morning. Yeah. yeah. If I fuck it up, I fuck it up for the lifter. They're not just, like, it's my responsibility. Pressure, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I looked at, like, all the girls doing, like, big cats and stuff like that. And not, I'm not enhanced, and I feel like it's such a large pool to be competitive against. And those girls dedicate their lives towards that and a lot of their mental and physical health. Um, it's something I'm not prepared to do, and I don't really see myself in that field. Um, I, I think maybe a deadlift bar for fun, you know, but I'll stay away from the competitive wraps and sleeves and mon- or wraps and deadlift bar and mono and stuff like that. Stick it strictly to the stiff bar and the knee sleeves. Knee sleeves. <laughs> I, I started training without knee sleeves. I fucking love it. Yeah? Yeah. So I'd actually, it's a bit of placebo with the knee sleeves. A little bit. I think so. I got through my set yesterday and realised I didn't have them on, didn't I? Yeah, you quite oh, like see? it. Yeah. You can become very reliant on them. They become use them all the time yeah I think it's good to cycle them on and off oh yeah like in if you got two squat days one day with one day with yeah. that, something like that yeah like my knee sleeves are useless anyway they're written for the <laughs> back obviously you sat there at the desk with your fucking knee sleeves on I know I'm going too lazy to take <laughs> and them off and your Romeo I finished training off when you finished two hours ago mate <laughs> oh man no, if they're too loose like that you gotta you gotta fix them up <laughs> <laughs> not meant to be comfortable <laughs> get, get some wraps on him we, we did that we, we bought the monolith. The mono, we? we bought the monolith. No yeah. one, no one but us will go in for sushi and come back with the monolith. Yeah, that yeah. will happen. Yeah, I mean, fair. That's the first. Went <laughs> up to Collerton to the second-hand gym supplies place. He's gonna look. Got something you boys might like. like. Yeah, what's that then? 
Is that what I'm doing? Monolith in the middle of a load of cobwebs and dust. Oh, that was man. your sweet. Yeah, we'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> next thing you know, we'll do a rap squat. We'd, you know, a clue. Bit of the, bit of the. You've convinced me. Arm twist. You know. Yeah. It was no. It was Dan going in. Him Mark had given us one price. Dan lowballing it like crazy. <laughs> we got it. Yes. And then, and then surprisingly, they, they took the offer. Oh, so it was a bit of like you know chicken on that. Yeah. The old feral English price. side. The old Del Boy in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Feral price. If he doesn't swerve out of the way. He took it. He yeah. took it. Threw it out there. Yeah, Called your bluff on it. Haven't been back there since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did. We went back purely for the benches. Yeah, we did. No, you need the matching set. The matching dominated benches. Yeah, they're good benches though. They are good benches. Mm. Solid, uh, solid safeties. Oh, I like the catch release. Yeah. Just like, just easy, mm. smooth operation. I still want to put the fat pads on them. Definitely. Oh, yeah, That's the next sure. stage. Yeah, those. Because the fat pad. Slightly as. Yeah, that road combo at the weekend, we went up to that. That is there's something else. Yeah. I'm not the only person that doesn't like the road combo. Oh, no. You don't like it? No. You said you liked it last weekend. No, I don't like it. No, it looks like Swiss cheese. Oh, no. It looks badass. <laughs> Black yeah. 3D me. I like the pad. The pad's awesome. I'm copping the combo when it's back in stock. <laughs> I'm going to drop some money on it. we got a new combo coming next week. Yeah. Which one? Um, yeah, Tyson Morrissey. Strong, strong Geelong. He's coached by Crows, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Strong Geelong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Him and Frank, my nutrition guy, mm. signed a new um, equipment company, company, but they're doing, they're not like fast place imports. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people have done. It's proper manufactured stuff. Yeah. Um, we got one of their first combos. It's yeah. uh, really freaking nice. Magnetic yeah. bench attachment, isn't it? Oh, yeah, so it's amazing. not like yeah. Yeah. it's just straight in. Yeah. Right. No, good stuff. Combos. Yeah. Uh, so... What's next for you? Like you're you're building your coaching career, you're building your name as a coach. Mm. It, it's how did you put it? Compound lifting. Yeah, compound based performance. Compound based performance. Yeah. So, have you got any guys that you know you want to push to some as far as you went yourself as a lifter or? Yeah, I mean, one of the boys at the moment uh, that I coach online, Dan, he's uh, training for junior nationals for PA. Um, he's had a bad run with just comps being canceled this year and hasn't had his shot out. Um, he's very ambitious. So he's someone that I can see kind of like pushing towards. Uh, at this point, it depends on how his uni stress goes, but I reckon within two years, I could get a 700 total at about 80 kilo body weight. Um, it it's all you know. It's good to like dream about it, but I think it depends on a lot of stress for people and you know circumstances, goals change, stuff like that. But I don't think it's unrealistic. Um, I've got eight people competing in September and October around that point. Just with the well, Dan's at the PA Nationals, and I got seven people at a novice comp. Um, and those guys, like the online team, is something that I want to build up. I think those guys will uh, once they do the novice comp, they'll get hooked. Yeah, so they're already pretty hooked, but they just want to ease into the sport something that I kind of wish that I did initially but also would have been time wasted but I use that reflection on them as like you know if you're a little bit nervous or anxious about it there's this opportunity to go and see how the day feels but you get to wear your favorite outfit you don't have to get out in this fucking soft suit yeah yeah you don't have to drop like 200 300 on the brand new SPD gear like you know just go as you are see how you like it if you like the vibe if you like the setting so there you go. Um, but I'd love to push, like, I'd love to push my online team to be a lot more competitive. Um, I think just buckling down on the online this year, it was just a bad time to prioritize competitive powerlifting. <laughs> um, but most of them have been pretty optimistic and waiting for like that comp that they want to do and really push out on that. 
Do you prefer online coaching or, or in-person I coaching? I love online coaching. Yes? Yeah? It's, it's the best uh, best platform for me because I make it as personal as possible. I understand and appreciate the skills that one-on-one builds. Uh, I don't think anyone should just go straight into online coaching out of learning, of getting like step three and four qualified or anything like that. Um, but it's through working one-on-one that I've made the platform as personal as possible. I do like... They schedule in video calls with me, like once a week we'll talk down. Um, we have private check-in groups that we use, um, and I've also got the team group as well, so yeah. we post like, information up. I think online coaching is only as restricted as you make it, mm-hmm. and if you're prioritizing that enough as a coach, you can really uh, double down on the quality that you're presenting and making sure that there's a common, common ground and a common understanding for anything that you're presenting to them. Um, and that ties down to the effort side of things. So if you're an online coach and you're not like, you don't have the, the business systems to connect with someone properly or you're not using like voice memos or videos, you're really cutting yourself down on like quality of business. Um, so yeah, I think online for me is the, the favorite, um, but I do, it's a, it's a 50-50, like if you ask me on any other given day, like I will say, oh, I love, I love my jobs like right now, um, but it will always switch in between, but I think online is the eventual goal because then at that point I want to travel and go do things and work from my computer and stuff like that. But yeah, I think the the business systems I've used and the mentors the mentors that I've had that have pushed me to use those systems have really been a a, a game changer. Um, but yeah, the online is probably my my go to and my goal long term goal. Mm. How do you find it online? Because online, some gyms have changed their their operating hours at the moment, yeah. and we've chosen not to just because we 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 love being down there. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I prefer in person. Obviously, is what I prefer for the environment, the interaction, face to face. But you've got to have the right platform. Mm. Um, you've got to, you got to. I think you've got to early doors with the online. You've got to set your standards. Everything's yeah. got to be put in place. Yeah. Um, because you can easily lose that communication. Can break down and it yeah. becomes shit. Yeah. Um, so you've got to. What do you use? Lay it out. What do you use to deliver programs online? Like, do you use a software or have you so, built something yourself? No, we use, uh, well, I've made my own uh, program sheet on Google Sheets. Yep. Um, and obviously, I've made that as detailed as possible. You've got, like, obviously, all your load calculators and stuff like that for average sessions and stuff like that. Um, but for I use Facebook. So yeah. I'm a huge uh, fan of just using, like, free platforms. Yep. So if you create a private group between uh, myself and a client, uh, no one else can see it. It's private. No one will find it. Um, they post their check-ins. I'll get in. I'll get back to them within twenty-four hours, um, and I can comment on each video individually. Um, and then at that point, I've got the the group page as well, which I try and post often as well as often as I can, which is about every week or two, like some sort of details or like a video of me explaining stuff. Um, I always that's probably the thing I struggle with the most is the content side of things. Um, but yeah, just Facebook and Google Sheets kept it all free, and then. Like initial consoles, just like Google Google Forms and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, utilizing the, the video side of things a lot more, like the video chats. And whenever they need a program update, we just have a chat for 20, 30 minutes about the blocks, how the block's gone, goals. Um, I think keeping constant interaction. And a lot of the guys, I, I make it very clear. Um, not that I don't want to motivate them because I do think it's a coach's job to motivate. I don't understand the coaches are like, we're not motivators. Uh, we, we are motivators. Um, and we have to lead by example, but I do make it clear that I will, you will get the most out of the service with the more that you post. Mm-hmm. So that does become that independent sort of uh, dynamic with online coaching where you have to be responsible for your videos. Um, one of the things that I probably struggle with the most in terms of making clear to clients is if you're having a bad day and you don't video, 
I don't know how bad the day is. Yeah. So they get very caught up in fuck like in their feelings. I don't want to record this. Blah yeah. blah. Um, and then you gotta you gotta make them understand that even the worst video is a good video. Um, and I think the videoing uh, your list is both the best thing and worst thing to happen to lifting. Um, because it gives you a platform to so you can assess and someone else can assess, but also you get very like caught up in that. Um, so I got to be careful when I try and remind them, you know, the essential sets first and last set, maybe last warm up, something like that, um, and any accessories you're challenging with. Um, but yeah, just ensuring that there's a independent uh, sort of gratitude towards online coaching, making sure they know they're responsible for their own actions. Um, and I haven't had an issue with that so far. Um, I'll see if anyone challenges that over as I push towards more online coaching. But out of 16 so far, no one's really had an issue with it. And trim the fucking videos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, trim them. So that comes down to setting the standards. We had a discussion this morning. Yeah, yeah. That I'm can just, be um, yeah, flicking for a minute of putting your knee sleeves on. I'm just going to throw someone out there. Kane, can you please trim your videos? Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Like we're throwing people under the bus, Cootsie. <laughs> Everyone, please. Just trim them. Yeah. Poor Cootsie gets hammered. It's the one where they do it, all the setup, so the knee sleeves, the belt, everything, all the preparation, they yeah. do the lift and they come back and they even video themselves, press and stop Yeah. on the thing. I wonder yeah. if they know that there's a trim. I don't know. Yeah, they know. Cootie no, knows because he'll trim one, one in ten for me. Yeah. People might do it on purpose. Yeah, oh, yeah probably. Yeah. Just to wind it's you a up. good way to piss a coach off, do that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at Dan on, with your, your OSS. Output strength system. Yeah, shirt. bloody good T-shirt, by the yeah. way. Thanks for that, Beth. No, no Where did the name come from? Um, if I can be really honest, when I was studying my cert three and four, I went to a rave that was called Output. Nice. <laughs> yes, Beth. And I was just thinking, like in the in the class, like I'd heard the term Output a lot, like when I was studying the cert three and four, because I did it in person. And I was like, it kind of works both ways here, like. And then I went to this event. I had a really good time. And then one of the assignments in this class was just like, you know, create your business profile. And I was like, fuck it. There's anything in my head. I was like, output strength is it. And then no one really knows it's about, well, it, it's a rave name. Yes. Yeah. Output is, you know, one of the principles of training. And it kind of just worked well that way. And then I always liked the word strength because I didn't want to be tied to like powerlifting or barbell or anything like that. Mm, yeah. I think we strength, yeah, even though strength is a vague term, it's probably what describes what I do the best. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of like the little. I don't think anyone really knows that story. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, and then that's that, a cool logo. Yeah, I just yeah, I drew cool. that one up myself. Yeah, that's a comfy shirt as well. Just wanted something that was like a bit, bit trippy, a bit cool. You know? Rave lights. Yeah, I mean uh, the the logo didn't come from a rave background, but the name came from the rave background. But it looks rave because it's got like the blue, like yeah. trans, like yeah. lights, like strobe lights. Yeah, just wanted something that was a bit cool, a bit of an optical illusion. Yeah. Yeah. That's all the... Uh, yeah, no one knows that story. <laughs> there we go. Oh, there you man, go. Exclusive for your podcast. So what is next for you? So once Rona's done, yeah. you know, you've, you've built your online team. You say you want to travel. Mm. Is that recreational travel? Or are you looking to travel to learn from more mentors? Because it, it, you've told us, you know, you've yeah. got a lot of mentors and you've done a lot of learning, yeah. which is fantastic. I think all new coaches and old, really should be doing that while we were listening to Plaf this morning so yeah. Yeah. Plaf 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 clearing his throat Plaf. <coughs> a good podcast someone's yeah. had 50 years of coaching experience was it nine Olympic games man crazy yeah but what's the what's the plans for yourself um I, I definitely see myself coaching long term so it'll be trying to diversify my own learning um obviously because I'm not like a 
uni-based background for education or anything like that. I've kind of skipped past that. Um, and like you said, you can't stop learning. So I think just whether I travel to learn off someone, um, but luckily we live in a great age where we can just learn from uh, internet, like podcasts, whatever it may mm. be, like mentorships, like the one I'm doing completely online, probably the most useful thing I've ever done. More useful than Cert 3 of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah that's doing just, one with Thomas Lilly at the moment. Yeah, like it'd be priceless, you know, yeah. like that sort of stuff is just crazy and everyone can access it. And I don't think you need to be tied down to any one location for that. Um, and that's what kind of draws me to online coaching a little bit more is that I get that freedom in my own life. Um, but yeah, I'll just be doing anything I can possible to keep learning, keep just uh, expanding my knowledge of the human body because the more I think I know and I'll just find something I'm like, fuck, I know absolutely nothing about how the body works. And I think I just like nail something and it's just small shit gets so thrown at me. There. And then it's not even that, it's even this like more opinions get thrown out and I'm like, well, maybe my opinion right now is wrong and then I've got to like you know find my own way again um but yeah it'll just be really like buckling down on trying to be a better coach and i want to learn more of the business side of stuff so like my boss at the moment george um he's someone i'm just really looking at at how to run my own business and it's helping my online stuff of course but whether or not i look at ever owning a gym I would don't you know. do a brick and mortar gym i don't know it's 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 more i think about the the financial resources and i'm like fuck, how the fuck am i gonna do that um, we're not sure yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it's just, it just seems like this really uh, it's a goal that I'd love to hit but it's almost like so unrealistic in my mind um, but at the end of the day I think I could always like learn off people and talk to people and work out how it can happen I think I'd at this rate in Sydney I'd own a business before I own a house like I'd rather buy <laughs> yeah. like a, I'd buy a space to run a business before I run a house yeah. like you know I'd rather have that space that I can make my own um even if it's a small one, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe long term, my thirty. The startup capital for this place was less than uh, house deposit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that's what I was thinking. I was like, well, I'd be dumb not to like pursue that and then get some money in and then yep. you know buckle down after that. But I think the more people I talk to, they think running a business would be better. Well, owning a business or owning a gym would be better than owning a house first up. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, so whether or not I do that, I don't know, different question. But I do see myself coaching long-term. I absolutely love it. Um, and it's just like, I realize how fortunate I am to enjoy what I do. Yeah. Like, I see people in my life, they go to work because they feel like they have to. And I'm pretty happy waking up every day doing this, which is a nice. really big blessing. Yeah. Good place to be. Yeah. Definitely impacts my uh, physical and mental health, being happy doing what I'm doing. When I was working casual at Rebel, I was just sad grumpy all the time didn't want to be there training sucked got injured mindset was shit and then i think it snowballs from having that positive sort of base in your life mm. definitely yeah good old rebel castle towers oh the discounts everywhere to see down there like every I saturday from there. Yeah. yeah i saw you a couple of times you always yeah. looked happy when i saw you in there uh, that's because i was happy to like not do work and talk to you for like 20 minutes but good management skills from that job that i learned Deal with shit people all the time. People. Yeah. It's people, people man. It's the, the best and the worst part about this job though, isn't it? No. I, I find there's been very few interactions with people that I don't like. Because usually, I don't know about you guys, but there is a common ground where people come to train. And even the biggest personality of clashes, we can reach a 
neutral ground and be like, okay, well, you want to train and get better, I can help you. Yeah. And you can keep the interaction short and sweet. There's, there's definitely people that I gravitate towards more um, because I have a personal connection. We have common interests or we go to like raves or whatever it may be. Um, uh, even just like banter and how we get along. There's, mm. there's definitely clients that you could see yourself being friends with. And I yeah. consider some of my clients friends. Um, and then obviously there's other people where you just got to keep it strictly business it's for the best that way, but you still offer the, the best service possible. Um, and just the, that's the balance that I've learned from, you know, working in Rebel as well. It's just like always treat everyone with respect because that's the best outcome you can really get. I don't think, unless I, I haven't come across anyone bad in the gym where I've had to be like, fuck, I don't want to coach you. Yeah, you're an asshole. Yeah. Because there's always just that common common understanding, common ground. We all want to get better in one way or another. And exactly. we've got to help them. Yeah. Well said. Very well Very said. Very well said. Wish you were beyond your years. Now, how, how old are you now? 21. Yeah. 21 now. You would have met me when I was 16. Yeah. 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 16. four plates. Yeah. For reps. Well, the four wheels was a big goal too. Wish I could do that now. <laughs> I miss my warm-ups being 60, 100, 140. <laughs> It up. Now I'm like 40. In the good old, in the old castle hall. Yeah. Some of my squats gone backwards and I still warm up that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're powerlifters because we're not the most efficient people. Right. You know, the strong man's even worse. Train smarter, not harder. That's, yeah. the, that's the goal that yeah, I have. That's the hard part. <laughs> How to <Yep>. be smart. <laughs> Gotta learn that one. What's next? Um, like with your with your learning you're doing who are you with at the moment do you uh, say compound performance compound performance yeah so they're kind of a mixed bag with um the training principles business side anatomy um in a few weeks they just change what the topics are yeah um but i really love to dive more into the anatomy side of things and just learning i think i did uh megan uh kinetic advantages powerlifting uh mechanics seminar or something like that um, and just learning about the structural anatomy of muscles and their function and then you apply those principles to any exercise and their purpose learning about that sort of stuff is so valuable these days because I don't have strictly powerlifters I have people that want to get bigger and I have like a few guys that want to bodybuild and just understanding the, the function and why muscles are built the way they are and the, the even like the uh, angles of them and everything like that you can really understand and target how to isolate them better and how to move better and the joint angles are a whole different field so the anatomy side of stuff is a big goal for me and I'd, I'd like to be really like efficient in that area uh, I would never say I'll be the best at knowing about anatomy and I can't just read a textbook and that's why I think the seminars and the, the mentorships are so much better for me because it's a bit more interactive I can't mm. just I hate reading like I hate it I try I can't I get like very uh distracted when I read I just get caught in my thoughts and I'm like okay well this is pointless Um, but when I do uh, a mentorship or I have a call with someone or if I have a conversation with someone it's interactive I find that I take a lot more out of it Um, I have been steering toward podcasts a little bit more um, but I think just learning from people who aren't powerlifters about the body and then applying that knowledge to powerlifting is something that I'm gonna push towards because even the way that Will just explained like Will Crozier explained the anatomy of a like we did it was 12 weeks of anatomy with will pretty much we did like a few uh principles of training and stuff like that but we spent a fair chunk i think it was eight or nine weeks of that just learning about the body and not once did he mention powerlifting and i was like wow this is yeah this is completely different to what i expected doing this 
and then I realized how valuable that was. So I just want to kind of continue on that that's one. A, that's effective coaching. This is yeah, age now with the, yeah. the biomechanics and and he's learning off like he he did twelve weeks over in America with the hybrid team. So that's their like sort of. He was over with Pat as well, wasn't yeah. he? He spent some time in New York with Pat because I was. He went with um the guy from Melbourne Strength Coach, I think. Yeah, he, Jamie. Yeah, yeah, he spent 12 weeks over there with Jamie. In there with Cressy, because mm. I think yeah, he was an intern for Cressy. And yeah. yeah. All those guys are heavy into the biomechanics and yeah, and the I anatomy of the body. And just hearing about how, like, even the hybrid crew, like, their, their programs on the surface obviously look like a bit more of a money grab, but you can see how much science goes behind their, like, their hybrid athlete, whatever the total program is. I look, like, if you look basically at that, it just looks like a bit more of a... Yeah, full body workout every day and I think about the positions that they're enabling people to be in without them even knowing it's like wow they're really training people to be conditioned for anything with that program um, and that's when I was really like opened up to how uh, people at the higher end of the sport like profiles are starting to gravitate towards that I think like um, John Hack's coached by hybrid now he does the hybrid oh, really? yeah he does like the hybrid athlete program um, and just like just seeing how all these high-end athletes are now looking at diversifying their own accessories really it's accessories at that point because when you're a competitive powerlifter you still need to be specific mm. um, but the accessories that they're doing elsewhere and the, the angles and the the positions that they're training their body in um, are really what's changing how efficient people are these days yeah, yeah. so I think like all the the rib stack stuff is just like racing stuff yeah. Steffi was doing some time under Ben Bukowski who was a mm. Mr. Olympia competitor and he's He's heavily into you know, joint angles and yeah, you know, the, the efficient way to move the body. Yeah, I think even um, someone recently who's been brought to my attention is Dana Lynn Bailey, who's been working with. Um, mm. I forget who she's been working with. It's not her husband, is it? The physio. No. Um, Rasta uh, runner. Yeah. Uh, Dan something. Black yeah. Flag. Was it what they call black? Black no flail. But yeah. the the stuff she's been putting out on YouTube is insane. Like mm, yeah. her understanding of the anatomy and isolating muscles that way. It's just like all the way this... Bailey trains. So she's a, a freak athlete. Oh fuck yeah! Like she's crazy. Mm. Um, but I think just having someone of that higher profile and someone everyone knows her. Like everyone knows her. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter if you're bodybuilding, powerlifting, gen pop in any time, you know who Dana Lynn Bailey is. Um, but someone of that high profile, um, it, like explaining almost like a Eugene Tiro situation, which positions you should be in to isolate the muscles better, maybe not as in detailed as him. Um, it's crazy to see all these people gravitate towards the science behind it because for like years, at least as long as I've been uh, like early days training, was just about like bodybuilding.com, like. Five by five, <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like it was just like you know Monday chest deadlifts a back exercise, and it's like what the fuck. Like yeah, Eugene and Jordan Shallow. Jordan um, Shallow is crazy. Yeah, they check really changed the game. Yeah, you mentioned again Pat Davison. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, really all the, like big names, and even like Greg mm-hmm. Knuckles and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great content. Yeah. It's changed in the days of going on T Nation and looking at an arm blast from. Uh, Pollock's arm. Oh, there's nothing wrong with a good <laughs> arm blast. Yeah, we well, you know, that's that's low risk, high reward. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'd ever train biceps ever again, but you know, I think at one point at Adonis, I got to like sixteen inch arms. I was like, uh, yeah, I think I'm like, <laughs> I have stretch marks. I don't know if you can see. I have stretch marks on my bicep. Nice. That was like, I used to train all the time with Gary Lee. Good After old training, Gary. Yeah, Gary Lee used to like. We used to put like the um the pressure bands yeah 
Like really? I, yeah, I remember you actually. I remember that. Yeah, Those fuck. Yeah. straps in there like, yeah. on the uh, cable crossover. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was just fucking do that. I didn't even know what I was doing at that point. I was just doing it because Gary was doing it, and he said massive arms. Never again. Never again. Oh no way! Biceps the most useless muscle. Change my mind. You do some curl this day when you were like for the first stiffless. time. First time in ages. You would have felt really good. Get some hammer curls in the locker. I had twenty ones. You can't beat a set of twenty ones. No. Low, I'm, was I'm it seven terrible. low, seven high? He's channeling yeah. Ziz at that point. You're just really thinking about like Ziz and epping any time doing 21. Yeah. He was, he was from Paraguay. He, yeah, he's from Paraguay, epping. He was huge, like growing up. Like he's that whole culture. Huge. He's still huge. And then when I came, when I moved over here, somebody said, yeah, he's from Paraguay. I was like, mm. I was living in Maryland at the time. Which, yeah, he's from he's like the land epping. of Ziz. Yeah, it is the land of Ziz. Mm. It's still all out here, bro. The new gym at Prospect I go to, they're all there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was he? Like chess bra. Yeah, that yeah, was his brother. His brother, yeah. Chess What's bra. He, is he still around here or? Yeah, he's Parramatta, North Parramatta. Yeah, uh, I know him through like music festivals, very loosely. That was the thing with it was the culture on it, the rave and mm, the. Yeah, it was all like you know, look good for the events, short shorts, no shirt. The old YouTube videos back in the early YouTube days. I mean, at the core of it, it motivated people to do something, whether or not it was they took it to the extremes of enhancement. <laughs> not that enhancing is a bad thing, but it's purpose driven got people to the gyms yeah got people, people to the gym got people training and there's nothing really wrong with that culture not. and a bit of attitude with it but that comes with everything mm-hmm. yeah and I think you can guess you noticed yeah I think it was a great for enabling especially young people to start training there's hundreds and thousands of boys that probably started training just because of that and that's priceless get people moving get people training absolutely yeah we're yeah. all for that alright any last questions for, for Beth before we no, that was pretty awesome. I think we'll finish on Ziz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still sat there like, yeah. what the fuck you're <laughs> upset again? I know of it, I've got no idea what you're on about, so I'm just going to keep quiet. Callum uh, uh, Von Moga posted a picture yeah, yesterday. Uh, initially yesterday. Yeah. That's what brought it up, actually. Yeah. The, the Von Moga and the like two Aussie the uh, physique legends. Like that. Yeah. 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 I'm just going to accept my age and whiteness. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're never too never too old to learn about Ziz culture. Yeah. Hundreds of videos on YouTube. Ziz the legacy. Look it up. All right. You can still I'll do that for do you. That for Physiology, and anatomy, and the biomechanics. Yeah, of your head. Ziz. <laughs> Stick the biomechanics up your yeah. ass. <laughs> <laughs> what a note to finish on. There we go. All right. Where can people find you? Uh, on Instagram at output.s.s. Um, that's my main platform. It's where I use. It's where I reach out to people. Website or anything, um, Facebook page? I do have a website, mainly just for like business sort of stuff. Just yep. like, you know, that's about it. Um, no Facebook, just mainly Instagram. Keep it simple. Easy. Yeah. Where are you? At dwally10. I'm going to say it again because I say it every week. It sounds a bit stupid. For your average weightlifting videos and steak updates. Yeah. Sean 2.0 at DNS Strength Collective on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. www.dnsstrength.com for all your apparel. And funky website updates. You've done the old. Yeah, I'm rebuilding the there. website right now. Pretty cool. Two weeks, the out. new drop comes. Right. Thanks for your time, Beth. No, Cheers, Beth. Have a good one, guys. Thank you.